They're neat toys, aren't they? Somehow both terrifying and adorable. Little fuzzy creatures with predatorial front-facing eyes. I've always had mixed feelings about them, but they never spooked me. I didn't believe my little sister when she said hers actually ate. Katie always did have an active imagination, and sometimes would get wrapped up in her own thoughts. I chalked this up to another one of her fantasies. Over the following days, however, she insisted it was true. That it really did eat. I decided to humor her and keep an eye on the toy, just like she asked. Katie herself seemed rather unconcerned, and so I wasn't worried. I thought I wouldn't find anything. I was wrong. On the first day I watched the Furby, everything seemed fine. The little teal gray toy uttered its usual phrases and moved its eyes and ears joyously and loudly. My little sister laughed at its antics as she drew in a coloring book. After a few minutes of this, I was prepared to leave. But right before I did, I noticed something. The Furby seemed to be staring at me. Completely silent and with eyes unblinking as it gazed into my soul. I thought it was broken, and so I tapped it a little, and it started to blink again. The toy was a bit creepy, I thought, but perfectly normal and fine. The next day, though, Katie begged me to watch the Furby again. She said as soon as I had left yesterday, the toy had begun to walk around. This was ridiculous, of course. They can't do that, I said, trying to be delicate. I couldn't blame her for having an imagination. But she insisted that was the case, and that she wasn't lying. And so after a lot of pleading, I went to watch the Furby again. An hour passed where I just sat in Katie's room, looking at the toy. Katie was there too, but whereas yesterday she had been happy and laughing while Furby sat by her, today she was solemn. She sat drawing in a coloring book, and stayed as far away from the toy as she could get. After that hour passed, I was getting tired of this, and so I decided to inspect the furry closer. Don't do that, Katie said. He'll get angry. It'll be fine, I answered, and I held the furby up. Something was caught in its beak. It looked like... Katie, did you feed the furby real spaghetti? I asked, concerned. No, she said. He took it from the kitchen after dinner. Katie, you can't give it real food, I said with a frown. I didn't do anything, she answered. I went to take the pasta strand from the Furby's beak, but when I pulled, only more spaghetti came out. A strand several inches thick dangled from its plastic mouth. Did you stuff it inside the toy? I said loudly. I didn't do anything, she answered again, meeker this time. I kept pulling on the pasta strand. More kept coming out. Eventually the last of it slipped from Furby's beak. It was a bit over a foot long. Tomato sauce tripped onto the floor and coated the Furby's front. I pried open the toy's mouth. There was a little hole at the back of the beak that shouldn't have been there. It probably led to the inside of the robot itself. Katie, if you ruin the toy, Mom and Dad will be very upset. I said. I sighed and went to leave. 
But as I did, Katie started crying and begged me to take away the Furby. I calmed her down and said everything would be fine. I decided to take the toy to my room so she wouldn't have to look at it. I threw it in a desk drawer and padlocked it shut for good measure. When I went to sleep that night, it seemed like that would be the end of it. No more trouble with the toy, and no more worry for Katie. At least that's what I thought. On the third day, though, everything went wrong. It started when I woke up. I didn't know what was happening at first, but then I moved and I felt it. Pain. I could feel a stinging pain in my side, and so I threw back the covers and lifted my pajama shirt. There was blood everywhere. Tiny pieces of my right torso were missing. Little wounds half an inch wide. They had scabbed over now, but splotches of blood covered my shirt and my bed. I don't know how I could have slept through whatever happened. I couldn't make sense of what on earth was going on, or what I should do. But soon a thought crossed my mind. The Furby. Katie said it walked and that it ate. But that couldn't have been real, right? This was probably just some sort of bed bug or something. A piece of plastic couldn't possibly have done this to me. Still, though, that manic thought about the Furby stuck with me. And so I decided to put it to rest. To reaffirm the truth that my sister was just a seven-year-old girl with an overactive imagination. I went over to the desk drawer and opened it up. The Furby was gone, and its place was a hole in the bottom of the drawer. I looked closer. The flimsy wood had given away easily. Someone had broken the bottom panel and taken the toy. I ran to my sister's room. She was crying in the corner. It's under the bed! She screamed at me. What is? I asked. Katie didn't answer. I stared in disbelief at the little white bed by the center of the wall. Did you break my desk? I asked her. She just kept crying. I turned back to the bed and slowly walked towards it. This is crazy, I thought. There's no way this is happening. I crouched down to see underneath it. Closer and closer I inched towards the bed frame, staring into the darkness underneath. Then I got up a little and pushed the bed to the side. There was nothing underneath it. But there was something along the wall. Someone had unscrewed the panel, covering the air duct. I turned to leave and go comfort Katie when I noticed something else. I pushed the bed more and revealed an object lying on the ground. At first I thought it was just a plastic bag, and then I realized it was damp and organic, wet and rotting. Panic overwhelmed me as I realized what it was. A cocoon. Wet, translucent, and freshly broken. What did this? This can't have been the Furby. But even as I thought these things, doubt creeped into my mind. The cocoon looked real, actually organic, and a foul smell like rotten eggs rose up from it. Maybe there is something inside our house. Some bug or something that cocooned and changed. 
but I have no idea what. The size of that cocoon, though? It'd have to be the biggest bug I'd ever seen. But if that is the case, and something went through a metamorphosis, what the hell has it changed into? I set my thoughts aside and went to comfort Katie. Do you know where Mom and Dad are? I asked her. They left for work, she said. She stopped crying a little and started to calm down. I uttered her reassurances as I took her hand. We have to go now, I said. We have to leave. She nodded in agreement. Before we left, I took something from the bathroom, and then another thing from Mom and Dad's room. Have to stay prepared. After that, I left with Katie down the stairs. We bolted towards the back door. We had almost made it there when I heard a noise echoing across the house. A rapid scuttling sound of a million feet. Snake! Katie screamed. I looked back and just briefly saw something move behind the kitchen counter. Jesus Christ. I said and I backed away, squeezing Katie's hand tighter as I did. The back door swung open easily and I shoved Katie outside, following closely behind her. We ran into the middle of the yard, where we stayed, waiting. I kept Katie behind me as I stared at the open back door. The scuttling noise continued to echo from the kitchen, and then it stopped. For several minutes there was nothing but silence as I stared at the open back door. There! Katie yelled as she pointed at the face. Just briefly I did see a long teal gray object drop into a bush on my left. A terrible screeching noise came from the bush as I heard the scuttling sound again. Katie tugged on my shirt wanting to run, but I didn't. Instead, I took out the hairspray I'd taken from the bathroom and the lighter I'd taken from my parents' bedroom, holding them out in front of me. I ignited the lighter and pressed on the capless hairspray. A plume of fire erupted into the air and covered the bush. The screeching inside grew louder. Katie stayed safely behind me as I kept dousing the bush in flames. I must have used the whole can of hairspray so determined I was to kill it. Eventually the flames cleared, the last embers dying down. Blackened vegetation covered the ground, and I could see a little teal gray object within the charred debris. There was no more screeching. I used my shoe to dust it off. It was indeed the Furby, but it was just like a normal piece of plastic. A melted, destroyed toy made of charred metal and singed fur. Nothing like the thing I had heard scuttling. But I think I did kill it. Me and my family haven't been bothered since it happened, and there's no way it could have escaped the fire. I would have seen it. I'm feeling a lot better now. It's been a while since everything happened. It feels like a lifetime ago. But I think it's really over now. Katie seems to be doing better now, too. She had nightmares at first, but she's starting to sleep well again. Her days are once more filled with peace and joy. It's almost like she's forgotten. It seems like that sometimes. Like I could forget. Just pretend it all never happened. Then I never saw what I did. But there's one thing that's burned into my head. A moment that haunts me still. 
When I burned the toy in the bush, there was a smell. An overpowering, delicious smell of cooking meat.